0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Ben and Chris Talk Sports. I'm Chris. And I'm Ben. And we are here to bring you our opinions on the news, notes, and happenings from around the world of sports. Episode 135, coming at you from a very, very warm, undisclosed location somewhere in the Northeast. Fun episode for you today. We've got a multitude of, of sports. We're really living up to our Ben and Chris Talk Sports moniker today. We have NHL to start off the show, believe it or not. Uh, some NFL, an NFL top ten, kind of what we do this time of year, in between the whole training camp and and draft, and it's kind of that that lull, that downtime. But I found a fun list. Ben and I are going to go over and, and kind of give our opinions on. So that'll be, that should be good. Uh, well, that's not bad promotion. That will be good. Will be good. Will be good. Um, <laughs> and then we have some Major League Baseball news. Not just the idiocy of Rob Manfred, because that that is could be a weekly segment on its own and it was for quite a while last year. Uh but it is uh we have our picks to this point for the American League and National League MVPs. Uh I know it's only about 2 months into the season, but it's always fun uh you know, give your your opinions to this point and um we'll see how it plays out at the end of the year. But first, as stated, the NHL, the Stanley Cup finals start tonight. We are recording Monday, so if you're hearing this on Wednesday, we're not off on our days. Um, NHL's really your territory. What can you tell us about this finals, Ben? Uh, not a whole lot because I haven't been <laughs> following. I'm sorry. <laughs> wow. That's uh, anticlimactic. Uh, hey, 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 we, hey, hey. We, we got, we got, we got, we got our NHL fans out there like, oh, nice, finally. What can you tell so, us? Uh, not a lot. Don't get your hopes up. Ah, uh, damn. Uh, there we go. Uh, hey,
1: hey. We're we're honest, right? We're always honest. Oh no! Transparent. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Full transparency, uh, yeah.
1: absolutely. So so I will tell you know like right, like you said they started tonight. Um, it's uh, Tampa Bay Lightning and the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, it is actually one nothing right now in Tampa Bay. I I looked up the names just to make sure. Uh, a lot of it's familiar with what I remember. So a lot of the names are still familiar. Uh, one of the best hockey, uh, goalies in hockey, uh, Carey Price, uh, man's the net for the Canadians. So it's not a surprise that a fully healthy throughout the year, Carey Price has led the Canadians to the finals. And then on the opposite side, you have the Tampa Bay Lightning, who carry one of the best defensemen in Victor Hedman. And arguably one of the best players in hockey, Stephen Stamkos. Um, it, it's... It's a lot of money invested in two players, uh, but because it's one's a defenseman, one's a, a, a center forward, it kind of it's kind of justified. And then uh, Andrew Andrew Vazileski is the goalie, so they have a nice combination. Probably should have won last year. The, honestly, this is a, a team that is built to win every year, so it's kind of a shock when they're not at least in the finals. And that's Montreal. Uh, no, uh, Tampa yeah, Bay Like, okay. yeah, yeah, they're a very, very good team. They've been built for years. Um, it's kind of surprising they got ousted earlier last uh, last season, and uh, it's not surprising that they're here. As long as the three of them are together, it's kind of, you know, pick your poison on who's going to get ousted by them. Uh, I would say I would lean, and this has nothing to do with the fact that they're up one nothing right now. I would lean on Tampa Bay. Uh, just because of the talent they have, and I just named the the, the headliners, uh, they have depth up and down the uh, the roster. Uh, I believe they're rolling at least two lines, if not three lines. Uh, and when, like Carey Price, when is on, he is he'll stand on his head and just uh, shuck away any of the pucks coming at the net. So I think uh, I would not be surprised uh, if at the end. It's it's Bay hoisting the Stanley Cup.
0: Hmm.
1: I would say six games. I know it's not really like uh, going out on a limb.
0: Uh, well, I mean realistically, you can only pick four, five, six or seven so right, right I mean but I, what do people it, expect? you're gonna say five and a half?
1: Well, right and and the bold move would just say uh, Tampa Bay is gonna sweep, but let's be realistic. They are traveling to Canada. Uh, Canada gave an exemption for this uh, for the finals. I was going
0: to ask that how are they how are they work in that because I know there was uh, a, a big question when the playoffs started and before the playoffs started as to how if it was a Canadian and American team how they were going to do that.
1: So they did get the exemption. So they will be playing in Canada for uh, uh, I, had, I just had it up. Um, sorry, I, I closed it out because I didn't think I needed it. So games one, two, five, and seven are in Tampa Bay. Uh, uh three four and six will be in um Montreal so
0: and are there fans a lot in NHL arenas at this uh, point yes
1: I believe so although cool. that's the question mark because Canada is a different story yeah uh Tampa Bay plays in Florida so you know Florida has been open' right. is one of the st- states that's been open for the longest Canada because they had to ex- get an exemption I don't know how much they're gonna be. Allowed in, and Montreal Canadian fans can get rowdy. Uh, I've heard games where the Bruins are facing the Canadians and it, it's pretty rowdy up there. That could make a difference if you don't get that that you know support from the the home crowd. And for Tampa Bay, I mean, Florida has trouble rooting for a team. That's in the finals. I, I, I give you the Florida Marlins. I give you the Tampa Bay Rays. So pick your poison on whether or not you're going to get a response from <laughs> the Florida fans. Because they turned out for the Miami Heat. Right. But that was LeBron, James, Chris Brosh, and Dwayne Wade, Miami Heat. It's a different story. When that was, you the, that a, was the
0: front runner Heat. Yeah. Yeah. So...
1: I don't know what kind of support Tampa Bay is going to get, but I'm predicting that it would be Tampa Bay in six. Well,
0: hopefully in, in Montreal, uh, their fans are allowed as well. So whoever, whoever it does win, hopefully they win at home and their fans are allowed to be there and celebrate with them, especially after the past year and a half or so and all this craziness that craziness that's gone on, that would be definitely be nice. Right. Um, yeah. So, I mean, we'll, you know, we haven't had a lot of NHL talk. We, we tried earlier in the year, and, and Ben is far more versed in that than I am. Like, if you're versed in NHL at all, you're more versed in it than I am. Uh, but you know, we tried, and there's even he said there wasn't a whole lot of news going on. So we will give you updates. Um, I assume, we'll have- unless it ends in, in, in four, I would assume it'll still be going on at this point next week. So we will definitely keep you updated. And if it ends, we'll let you know who won. So, And we'll have... Uh-
1: Odds, the odds are we should have uh, the NBA Finals starting before next week's episode.
0: Cool. More to talk uh, about. Nice.
1: Right right now we have, uh, last time I checked, it was the Phoenix Suns 3-1 up on the Clippers, uh, which would be an upset. Um, Devontae Booker and Chris Paul are, are very good. You know, uh, Devontae Booker's a uh, rising star in, in the NBA, but they're going uh, toe-to-toe with Paul George and uh, Kawhi Leonard, so that would be an upset. And then the Hawks are facing the Bucks, and I think it's two one or two two. Uh, I would say Giannis and the Bucks should be in there, but hey, you never
0: know. I know. I feel like Giannis has been probably the best player in the league for a few years now. It'd be right. you know I, I'm. I really, I've said before, I, I used to love college basketball and I'd kind of follow those players of the pros and I'd, I'd root for the Celtics. I always root for the home team, uh, much much more so the Pats and, and the Red Sox, just because I'm a bigger baseball and football fan. But I always root for the, the home teams. Uh, so I'm not trying to act like a Bucks fan here, but, um, you know, Giannis is, the, I feel, the best player in the league for the last couple of seasons. It would be nice to see him in the championship and win a championship, so... Personally, I'll be pulling for that um, just because I think if you're the best, prove it by getting a ring. So. Well,
1: I mean, Chris, if there's a season to do it, um, no LeBron James, no Anthony Davis, uh, which is basically the biggest roadblock. And the, as as I pointed out, what was it, last year, how the 76ers are the worst-run franchise, I, I, I stand by my point because they still are unable to get out of their way with the uber amount of talent they have and just so you know there's discussion that ben simmons the guy that they love and adore and is one of the best supposedly one of the best players in league has got trade rumors around him
0: huh yeah so we shall see you'll find out here if it happens (laughs) because there's one thing that ben loves to do is to dig up dirt on the 76ers so Uh, yes no, I'm not knocking it. I mean, based yeah. on your argument during our, our worst-run oh. franchise, I mean, we both I feel we both made compelling arguments. I stand and by the Chris, Detroit Lions because watch any game from the past two decades and you'll understand why.
1: And, Chris, I, I tell you every time, it's, you have valid points for that. Oh, yeah. Atrocious team in the North. <laughs>
0: uh, But we're going to move on to baseball. We're not going to stay too long on this. We've talked about it in the last couple episodes. Uh, we had our first ejection for – the sticky substance, whatever it may be. Uh, Mariners pitcher Hector Santiago was ejected during a uh, between-ending check. I believe it was yesterday, being Sunday or okay. Saturday or Sunday. I think it was Sunday. Um, I stand by what I say. This stuff's been happening forever. Uh, it's part of the gamesmanship. You have your people who are not living in the real world who say, It's cheating. It's cheating. You shouldn't do it. Oh my goodness. Everything in sports is on the up and up all the time. This is wrong. No, but I mean, if you want to live in fantasy land, live in fantasy land. That's fine. Um, and I'm not, you know, there's nobody, you know, it, it's, it's, I actually don't know anybody personally who is saying that, but you know, those people are out there. Yeah. Uh, it's the same thing as, like I said, as a Patriots fan, Ugh, every anytime they win anything, well, Spygate. Okay. 12 years ago. Congratulations. Um, just look at the facts. Our, every team did it. The only reason they got in trouble is because they didn't stop doing it when they were mandated by the league, but nobody wants to hear the truth. Same as nobody wants to hear the truth of this. Players and pitchers have been pitchers have been doing it forever. Since the beginning of time. There's a lot of money on the line. Even right. when there wasn't a lot of money on the line, there's a lot of bragging rights on the line. You know, think about if you go if you go and you play a, a beer softball league after work a couple of days a week in the middle of the summer, how much joy you get from the bragging rights when you win for that. Never mind when you're on national TV, when you're actually in the majors. So you can put the, the pride in the bragging rights. Into it, in and of itself. Never mind the money that's on the line. and Tell me you're not going to do everything to win. Tell me you're not going to do whatever you can to win. I'm gonna tell you, you're probably a sub 500 team perenni- perennially. Um, that's just that's just how I feel. Like, I think if you're gonna, uh, we said it the very first time we discussed it two weeks ago. If it was like the the pitcher for the Yankees uh, was it Michael, Penanda, uh, who just had it on his neck. When it's that blatantly obvious, yeah, that's right. not gamesmanship. That's, oh, you're not going to do anything. And those people should be punished. Like I said, Major League Baseball should have come to these pitchers and said, don't let us, quote, see you doing this, unquote. Yeah. Don't make it obvious. Don't slap us in the face. We'll leave you alone. We know, we know the batters have, you know, well, obviously it's right there on camera, have gloves on to help with grips. We know not everyone has pine tar stops at the pine tar line where it's not supposed to go above that. We know these things happen. We get it. Unless it's egregious, we're not going to call you on it. But instead, Manfred has to go full Manfred and do everything he can to assault common sense in general and try to put the final nail in the coffin of Major League Baseball at a time when some of the most exciting players in a long time are coming around. We'll talk about that later, believe me. Um, It's, I, I don't know. It's, I don't, this is, this is only going to be bad for baseball. Nothing, so I, nothing good comes from this.
1: So may I ask you, Chris, do you remember anything about this coming out in spring training? Nope. So I was, I happened to be listening to, um, I want to say it was Red Sox pregame uh, a couple days ago. Uh, just happened to be because I was in the, I was driving home or driving somewhere. I flipped it on. I was like, "Let me just flip it on." And oh, it's pregame. All right, I'll listen to it while just as background noise while we're driving. And all of a sudden, they were playing a um, interview with Sam Kennedy. Sam Kennedy is the pres- uh, president of of I don't exactly know his title. He's not the president of baseball operations. He just might be the president of operations, more on the uh, financial side. But he has his did his toad in the uh, baseball side. And I bring it up because in the interview, he mentions how in spring training, they told and MLB told all the player, all the pitchers, "Hey, stop doing this." I'm sorry. When did we hear about this? Because I don't. That's why I asked you. Because I don't remember hearing anything about this in spring training. No. So here's my here's my statement to you, Chris. I wonder if they did what you said is. Don't let us catch you. But unfortunately, uh, what was it? Bubba Harkin, I think it was the name we mentioned last week, came out and just, oh, you're going to fire me? Okay, here you go. Here you go, sports writers. This is all the information about this sticky stuff that I've been giving out to pitchers throughout history of baseball. And I wonder if that's what opened the the can of worms.
0: Probably. Probably. And I think
1: something Sam Kenny was trying to do is just saying, "Oh, well, we did get ahead of it." Mm-hmm. No, because people like Trevor Bauer, Tyler Glasnow, Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer, I would think at minimum Trevor Bauer would say something during spring training about this coming out. Cuz you you know Trevor Bauer, he he'll put it out there. He don't care. So I got to think that he would have said something during spring training, and I don't remember anything. So I'm just wondering if that's CM Kennedy playing uh, uh, cover for old uh, Robbie Manford trying to make it look look good in all reality. The only reason why they got caught is because someone dimed them out. Again, same point as with the Astros.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Someone dimed them out, and that's the only way someone got caught. It's just like with, with uh, Spygate. Why did it get dimed out? Because Eric Mangini couldn't do it as well as Bill Belichick.
0: Exactly.
1: So instead of trying to do it good, he just said, oh, Lee, guess what? The Patriots are doing X, Y, and Z because he knew they were doing it.
0: Dumbass Mangini couldn't take the lens cap off. That's why he could never win a goddamn game. So, so.
1: this is what I'd say to Hector Santiago. Uh, sorry, it sucks. You could say it was rosin all he They said it was on his glove, and apparently you're not allowed to have it on your glove. I don't know. Who knows the freaking rules, Chris? All I'd say is let them have a sticky substance. Who the fuck cares where they put it on their glove? I'd Like I said last episode, I would rather a starting pitcher be able to paint a 100-mile-an-hour fastball up and in, strike me out and say, I tip my cap, than to put a 98-mile-an-hour fastball in between my, my eyes. Yep. And now I'm, I'm I'm done.
0: And like we said, what's it for? It's for grip. And what are batting gloves for? What is pine tar for? Hitters have all these things for grip, and you're going to have somebody throw a projectile at you. I don't think there's a pitcher unless it's a really slow changeup or a knuckleball. The throw is under 80. Yeah. Uh, probably on the up, up, upside of 85, even for most changeups. Uh, unless you got like the the, the odd, Evas pitch that Zach Greinke likes to throw, or uh, the occasional knuckle baller, uh, you, you really don't you don't see much anything slower than that. So I don't want anyone throwing anything at me that fast if they can't grip the damn ball. So if they're going to do this, the pitchers, okay, no more batting gloves, no more pine tar, just walk out there with your baseball glove and your bare hands. Well. That doesn't make any sense because you have a glove you know what i mean nothing else none of these other extras none of this other stuff you get to do you know take Uh, take uh, off uh,
1: all the armor plating yeah all of it
0: i mean it's it's (laughs) you know let's protect the hitters okay i agree with that wear the armor plating wear the batting gloves that's cool (laughs) who you know it's like the thing they could do the most to make sure that the pitchers aren't going out of control, that these batters are safe, is to make sure the pitchers have control of the ball. Oh no, all of a sudden this is cheating. We've known, it ha- we've known for decades it's been happening, yeah. but now it's cheating. Okay, I mean, look, like I said, I'm going to say it again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die on this hill. You want to live in fantasy land and act like all these super competitive people aren't doing every single thing they can to win, all Right. go ahead and live in that fantasy world. That's fine. Go ahead and think the batters are, are are the victims here or whatever. The real victim is Major League Baseball. And the perpetrator is and has been for the last several years, Rob Manfred. He's the worst. He's the worst commissioner in sports. And <laughs> it, it's not even close.
1: You're 100% correct, Chris. Uh, I I agree with everything you said. There's, there's just no argument with Manfred and his backwards thinking and He's going to react. He doesn't. He's not proactive. He's very reactive, and the one thing that he should be uh, super proactive about is making sure the life of the game is sustainable for years to come. And he can't even do that. And as you pointed out during the offseason, Theo Epstein's new position. There's been nothing, nothing there that has no. shown me anything that he's done. Or been allowed to do anything to advance the game in a positive direction, and it's just more of the same. It's more Rob Manford trying to put his fingerprints all over the game, uh, and it's not working. It's just not. And I- I'm sorry, Clay Buchholz getting uh, having sweaty hair uh, on a 67 degree day in Boston. I I knew something then. Wasn't going on, wasn't right, but I accepted the fact that he needed to have something to grip. I mean, I don't know about you, Chris, but do you really sweat that much when it's 60s in in, in New
0: England? You're asking the wrong guy because I actually do. Oh, that's right. Yeah, but I'm, I'm far. I'm I'm much larger than Clay buckle so that's probably why. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of unfortunately I can't help you prove your point on that one because um. I'm That's just strong. sitting. I'm sitting in a chair right now, and I'm sweating. It is. It is hot outside. Yeah, but as hell so, outside.
1: so am I, Chris. But yeah. But.
0: Well, it's actually today. Today is justified because it's really warm. But
1: right.
0: Uh, okay. Now we we talked enough negative on baseball. Uh, let, let's talk a little positive. Let's look at some of the, the 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 bright spots of the season. We're gonna go over our picks for the AL and NL MVP uh, to this point, and you know who we think would win going forward. Um, and then next week we're gonna do our Cy Young. But this week we're gonna do the be MVP. Uh, ben and I have not shared these with each other, so we do not know what the other one uh, is going to say. Uh, so we could have the same. Um, but let's start in the NL. Let's start in the NL. I kind of think I think in the NL we're gonna have the same player.
1: I mean, it's it's, it's kind of um, obvious.
0: I well, I mean, for me, there's there's two. There's definitely an honorable mention, and oh, then yeah. there's there's. There's an upper echelon guy. There's a guy right underneath him, and then there's three or four that are, you know, if something were to happen to those two and they got injured and they missed a few games, these guys could definitely jump up if they keep playing the same way they are. Sure. Uh, but sure. I'll, um I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna I want to go with AL. So I'm, i gonna let you give your pick for NL first.
1: So my pick for NL is going to be friend of t- uh, a friend. Hey, blah blah. Tatiste. I can't get his name out for some reason. Fernando Tatis
0: Ta- Fernando Tatis Jr. Thank
1: you. Uh, <laughs> he's far and away number one. Uh, he has a 1,074 OPS. That's on, that's on base plus slugging. He has 25 home runs, 55 RBIs, plus he's missed some games. And he's slugging almost 700. So the numbers speak for themselves, plus he's defensively one of the most sound shortstops in the game. I, this is this is not even adding the fact that he brings excitement, electricity to the game. This is purely, I, when I look at MVP, it's purely on stats um, and ability on the field. This is, that has nothing to do with uh, profile or what he brings to the game. It's just purely stats and, and field play. And I think he's and away number one on the
0: list. I agree with that. Fernando Tatis Jr. is my pick as well. Uh, He's played only 61 games because I think it was, I don't know, a hamstring or something injury. He missed a couple games left. Um, He is electric. He's only 22. Uh, He is going to win, I believe, injury aside, um, win many MVP awards in his day. This kid is... uh, (laughs) He's the, he's the real deal. I mean, like I said, five tool player can hit for average power, scores runs. Um, I, I agree with you why it's all on the field and stats. However, I think part of on the field is how your team around you reacts, also. That can make you valuable. Uh, it's a little bit of a different context, but a guy like Jason Veritek was not really valuable at the plate, but what he could bring to the team as far as knowledge and, and, and leadership uh made him far more valuable. Uh Tatis Jr is talent-wise everything you could ask for. Um and also he just there's a spark in that team when he's on that lineup. Like he's he he electrifies that entire team. So that that adds to it for me too because that makes him more valuable.
1: And and uh, I think um if if I were to if it was neck and neck like you're looking at Mookie Betts my uh Mike Trout, you know, their epic years. If it's gonna break down to it, then that's where the tiebreakers come in. Effect on the team, winning, uh, atmosphere, that's where you get the tiebreakers from. But as far as like uh, the barometer of of how to establish who's the front runner, who's second, who's third, I look at the stats and then the on defensive. So and then unfortunately for some players. On the field, as far as defensively, is a factor for me. And if you strictly are DH, uh, you need to do a lot. Yeah. You need to. You need to have David Ortiz esque numbers. And even he didn't win. And he didn't win because he because again it was held against him, and in my personal opinion, it was justified to be held against him. But you need to do so far above what the average or Above average player would do to get considered for uh, MVP in the AL.
0: Yeah, and um, I mean Tatis, you know, we've been singing his praises since I mean last year when he had. Yeah. Although his conflicts with other opposing managers for the unwritten rules and all that nonsense, this kid's electric, and he he is undoubtedly one of the faces of the game. Um, honorable honorable mention for me. Ronald Acuna Jr. Uh, that's
1: my um, number two as he, well. Cause. I mean,
0: he is very. If it wasn't for the fact that Tatis Jr. had similar stats with ten fewer games, this yeah. would be much much closer. And there's a couple other guys, you know, Castellanos, Max Muncie, who are having very nice years. Um, I have Schwarber as a Schwarber uh, also. Um, it's just it's it's Acuna Jr. and Tatis Jr. Yeah, I just feel right now. I mean, 22 and 23 years old, these guys are the future of the National League. Well, they're the president of the National League, actually. Um, not that those other guys aren't. Not that they're not going to have great careers or years. I just feel only one person can win. So there's going to be a lot of talent that had a great years that, that can't win it. Um, so no disrespect to any of those players. But Tatis Jr. And, and, you know, if – if Acuna catches up or surpasses him stat-wise, he absolutely could be a thorn in his side of going out through his first MVP award.
1: It could really come down to do the um, Braves make the playoffs or win the division, and do the Padres make sure. the playoffs and win the division. Like, that could come down to it, because their war could be, and I I, I me very clear about this. I do not use war as a measuring stick. I don't like the stat, and I don't believe in the stat.
0: For those that aren't sure, that's wins against replacement.
1: Yes, and it's dumb.
0: Um, <laughs> I agree. I, you're yeah. You're not gonna convince me.
1: But if I, I would guess, because I didn't look at the stats, because I didn't care about it, I would guess Tatis and Acuna are probably close on WAR. So when we break it down at the end of the season, it could come down to who's in the who's in the playoffs, who wins their division, whose stats are slightly better, and then whose defensive run stays which. Is a murky stat. Who's uh, defensive? What's the other uh, uh UZR, Ultimate Zone Rating, which is another... dude. I don't even pay attention to there, those. There's so many stats that are ridiculous. Like, but I can understand some of the defensive stats that are important. All I know is the ball get hit. The ball gets hit to Tatis Jr. It's gonna get sucked up and and, and pitched to first base. That's that's all I know. The kid the kid is good, and Acuna's. Not not a uh, uh, not a bad outfielder himself. The problem is, is he an outfielder? Where's the where's the attention going to be? Shortstop infield. So he might get slighted a little bit. But like you said, if Acuna surpasses him stat wise, there's a, every bit of the chance that he could just smash in numbers and blow right by Tatis. Plus, if Tatis gets injured again, that will help Acuna.
0: All right, on to the American League. Uh, for me, this is there's definitely somebody who could creep in at number two. Okay. Um, for me, it's it's very obvious who the AL MVP front runner is. Uh, I I don't I don't understand any other argument. Um, not to say there isn't one to be made. Not saying I, you know, Oh, I'm just right. That's it. Obviously, this is the point of this is for discussion. For me, it's gotta be Shohei Otani. I mean, the guy's up there at just about every stat category. He has 52 runs, 25 homers, 59 RBIs, 11 steals. He's hitting 277. That's not really what you want your MVP to hit, but would you add to the fact those numbers alone could be respectable in the race. When you add to the fact he wants to play in the field, and by the way, he's also a pitcher who has three wins, 82 strikeouts, and 59 in the third innings, a 2.58 ERA, and a 1.18 whip. There has not been a player like this guy in my lifetime. I don't remember ever seeing one. When this kid came in, it was, oh, he's going to end up just being a hitter. They're not going to let him pitch. And he's insisting, I want to be a two-way player. He's pitched and then gone out on the field and played because he just loves playing the game. This is exceptional. I don't care if it's only one season like this, two seasons like this. Appreciate this. We don't see it anymore. This is incredible. Who knows if he can stay healthy? Who knows if he can sustain this? But Shohei Ohtani is the most dynamic player we've seen in a very, very, very long time. There's other players who are great pitchers. There's other players who are phenomenal hitters and fielders. To have the complete package rolled up into one is something to appreciate because I've never seen it before, and you may never see it again.
1: So I agree with everything you said.
0: But. Being,
1: but. <laughs> but. But you know who I'm going to pick. Probably. Vladimir Guerrero, Jr.
0: He's my honorable mention, yes.
1: Uh, so I have it. I have him because his stats are slightly better, higher. Uh, He hits for a much better average. Um, And I think he has an effect on uh, the team. At this point, it's not showing in the uh, wins and loss columns, but they are fighting to try to make the playoffs, whereas the, the Angels are... Far back, and you know, Shohei can have a great season. Unfortunately, it might not be for too much because just like Mike Trout has great seasons, yeah, and it doesn't turn out to be anything, and he still wins MVP. So I respect everything Shohei is doing. Um, I just put Vlad ahead by just a smidge, but (laughs) it's not much, yeah. And, and these two—a a DL stint for one of them, or a slump for one of them—whether it's you know Shohei on the mound or in the bat, or Vladimir in the in the bat—could give the other one the edge. I do have two uh, honorable mentions, Chris. Olsen with the Athletics. Okay. Twenty home runs, fifty-three RBIs. Yep. Almost a thousand OPS. And then a little hometown cooking. Mr. Raphael uh, Devers Yep. Yep. He's got nineteen home runs, sixty-four RBIs. He's getting close to a thousand OPS. And so to give people a barometer, what the OPS av- league average in twenty nineteen. Uh, because they really couldn't that's the that's the most recent one I have for information. Is 758. It's league average. So he's hitting about 200, over 200 above league average. But that's why he's honorable mentions because the two guys above him are both hitting over a thousand OPS. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So he gets an honorable mention, but he's got some work to do. Uh, but I think, I think Devers is turning into what The Red Sox expected him to be as far as a a pseudo replacement for David Ortiz, as far as like an, or a player. Uh, And Olsen is, is just doing what he does. He he hits, he rakes, plays solid defense. He's going to have a productive season. He's going to be the one of the best hitters on the Oakland athletics. Unfortunately, it's not going to produce a whole much because Oakland is average team. Where kind of true. in the same
0: boat, Otani's, and out there in, uh, yep. in LA, yeah.
1: So, um, I don't know who else you got for honorable mentions, Chris.
0: Uh, I just had Fernando uh, not Fernando Otani Jr. I had um, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. as well. Uh, hmm. I, I he's look <laughs> if if he if he stays on the same trajectory and he gets to the end of the year, he and Otani both, and he would end up winning it. I, look, I know I said cut and dry, Otani would win it. In my opinion, because the pitching and the hitting, yeah. uh, and he wants the field. But look, if it ends up with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. winning it, I certainly wouldn't go. That's preposterous. He's hitting well over 300. Uh, like you said, phenomenal with the bat, great in the field. I mean, this kid is legit. If you, I mean, his dad was a feared hitter, in in his day, and I think, I think Jr could even far surpass that he could be one of the greats of his generation if he continues on his trajectory
1: well, um is, I mean Vlad junior has a little more place discipline than
0: yes yeah than senior. yeah some of those some of those that uh, Vlad senior would chase I mean he, I mean he when he hit them they went a mile I, but I, I, yeah I, there were some there were some wild ones there
1: he hit he hit a ball that hit the dirt before it got to home plate and he's still not the crap out of it <laughs>
0: Yeah, I remember that. That was ridiculous. That's Vlad, but,
1: that's Vlad Sr. for you because he just didn't care.
0: And I think, I, unfortunately for Vlad Sr., you could kind of tell by his build and his body type that when he got to a certain age, it wasn't necessarily time wasn't going to be kind to him. He was kind of a longer, lankier guy.
1: And it didn't help that he was, um, uh, he, didn't, he played on... Turf. yeah that's what i mean i don't
0: mean i don't mean in a negative way just he just you could tell certain builds like there, there's pitchers if they throw 100 miles an hour but they're 5, ten and 130 pounds you not know it's last. not gonna last you kind of tell by vlad senior's frame that you know as he got older he was going to run in he was going to really slow down he was going to have some injury issues vlad junior doesn't have that same frame he's got a frame that's more uh Conducive to having a long career. Oh, no. Oh, he's built. Absolutely. I'm just saying he's not, doesn't have that kind of lankiness to him. Even no. though, even though Vlad Sr. had a lot of mass, it was like lanky mass. It's hard to explain. Uh, he kind of moved a little awkwardly at times. Yeah. You don't see that with Vlad Jr. I know he's a lot younger now than his dad was when he retired, but I think that's not a knock on, on, on Sr. That's just an observation going towards the, uh, you know, the point that Jr. could have. a a, a very successful and lengthy career. And before I move on to our last subject, I just want to say, looking at the stats, to try to pick who we thought our winner would be, it really, really warmed my heart as a fan of just old school, old school, it sounds ridiculous, just the basic stats. Is this guy a good player? What's what's his average? How many RBIs? Where's he hitting in the lineup? How many homers? Uh, How is he in the field? It warmed my heart to see... Over 10 players in the American League hitting over 300 still to this point. Yeah. The last couple of years, it's been a lot of guys like Joey Gallo. And I'm not trying to knock Joey Gallo. There's a place for him in the lineup. But the guy hits like 190 and hits 35 home runs. Everyone's like, oh, what a great hitter. No, what a powerful hitter. Not a great hitter. Great hitters are Vlad Jr. Great hitters are Fernando Tatis Jr. Guys like that. Devers, Olsen, uh, Schwarber, guys who were going to hit at or close to 300 and produce stats for the team. So that's just – it really – as somebody who loves that kind of baseball, just productive baseball, straightforward stats, I was so happy to see that.
1: And I was going to consider Javier Baez because I saw his power numbers, and I'm like, okay, 21 – no, 18 home runs, 47 RBIs, 9 stolen bases – and then I got to his OBP and um, OPS, and I'm like, "Why is that so low?" And I looked over to his uh, band average, and it's uh, a Mendoza line-esque 228. I'm like, "Nope, can't have yeah, that conversation. No. Nope, not with what Tatis is doing, not with what is doing, no, not yeah. with what Schwarber doing. Like even Schwarber's hitting better. It's like, can you? Yeah, Schwarber's hitting 246. Is it is it much better? No, but at least." It's a little more respectable than 228. That just tells me I know exactly what Javier Baez is doing. He's swinging for the downs, and he's going for the three true outcomes. And this is what the problem is with with this new way of thinking. It's a walk, strikeout, or a home run. Right. And that's kind of why Javier Baez has, has at game 69, Chris. 103 strikeouts.
0: Oh, that's yeah. You can't have that.
1: 100 strikeouts used to be like a sin for an entire season. Oh yeah. And, I mean, Tatis Jr. will probably hit 100, but he's at he's at 72. He'll he's also hit, hitting well,
0: 277 now.
1: Uh, I have him at 294.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. Otani was hitting 277. Yeah, yeah. he was hitting, Yeah, yeah, Tatis my mistake. Yeah,
1: is in 294. So. Yeah, he may be striking out, but he's effective. Right. Uh, at the plate. And he's able to get on base and be a little bit more of a threat with with 16 stolen bases whereas and Javier Baez is 9 stolen bases.
0: He's 22. Getting, <laughs> and he's 22. 22. He's going to He's going to
1: get better. Whereas Javier who's probably in his mid 20s, uh he's probably what he is right now. He just and, and don't get me wrong. I like Javier Baez. I like what he brings to the table. He's one of those show me players. One of those, I'm out here. I'm trying to bring noise to the game. I like those players because same thing with Tatis. But can you can you can you round out your game a little bit? Yeah, can a little bit of me play me a...
0: discipline would really help your team in the long run.
1: And maybe that's what they're teaching them. With if that's yeah. what they're teaching them, could be. Is it going to be? Is it? It's, are the Cubs going to hold it against them when, because I think he's going to have a contract extension at some point in the near future. Are they going to hold that against them? Probably. So the short term saying, I agree with you. I like where these guys that we picked are guys that are hitting and they're hitting for all the stats. They're hitting an average. They're hitting home runs. They're hitting, they're, they're running, bringing in runners, they're hit, they have power numbers, doubles, triples, home runs, all the categories. They're checking all the boxes. And for the most part, they're pretty good out, uh, pretty good fielders too. All
0: right, let's move on to our final topic. Uh, I found this article on uh, I leave it at cbssports.com. Make sure they get credit for it because they that's where I found it. Uh, was their top 10 NFL head coaches heading into 2021? Now, this is... Not a list of who the best coach on this list is all time. That's not the rank. The rank is how the coach has performed, uh, drafting, building their team to this point, with the personnel they have, in free agency, how they've um, used the personnel they have. Uh, So all that's taken into account. There's some names on here where you might go, what? There's no way that coach is better than that coach. Maybe not all time. But over the last couple of years stretch, they've just built a better team. So with that said, Ben has not seen this. I told him about it, but I have not shown him anything. I have honorable mention, which is number 11, Kyle Shanahan of the 49ers. so they're saying Kyle Shanahan, 11th best coach. I think that's about where he belongs. um you know the up the the lower side of the first half or the the better side of the lowest side of the first half. Whatever. <laughs> the top the top, you know, third percentile. I'm I'm good with that. Um you know, he's had a lot of success and you know, he's put the right coordinators in in, in positions and he's done well with what he has and, and had a team last year that despite a lot of injuries was still able to compete. So I'm I'm good with that. Uh okay, we're gonna start the actual top ten now. Ten. Mike Tomlin of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Okay. Uh, nine, Matt LaFleur of the Green Bay Packers.
1: All right. I, I don't. Well, success, we're talking about success on the field and what they built.
0: Yeah, some of these, it's tough because I don't know if the Packers are any better or worse with LaFleur. But there's nothing really egregious on this list. There's some things you could kind of say. Oh, well, I'll read the rest of it, and then we'll we'll break it down.
1: Okay, because I'm just thinking like it should be coach GM combo then. But proceed.
0: Uh, number eight, Bruce Arians of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Number yeah. seven, I think. I think this guy needs to be a little bit higher on this list, and I don't know. Number seven, Pete Carroll of the Seattle Seahawks.
1: Okay.
0: Now we go on a run of Sean's. Number six, Sean McVay of the LA Rams. Number five, Sean McDermott of the Buffalo Bills. Number four, Sean Payton of the New Orleans Saints. Can you guess the top three? Well,
1: Bill Bill has to be up there.
0: Okay. Andy
1: Reid's going to be up there. Okay. Uh, Who's number three? Who am I forgetting about? Oh, God damn. Not Doug Peterson. Nope. No,
0: he wouldn't be up there. No. <laughs> no, no my God. Uh, Remember about Ron? No, sadly. And I think I think Rivera, uh, it's only been one season with his current Yeah, team. I was going to say, maybe, tough. yeah. Um, Guy, yeah, I and it was guys like, like the, new, the new Eagles uh, coach, the new, you know, uh, I mean, he hasn't done anything with the team yet, so how can you even rate that? So, I mean, guys like that were, were at the bottom of the list because no. they don't have anything to draw from. Number three, John Harbaugh of the Baltimore Ravens. Oh, I forgot Number two, name. Bill Belichick of the New England Patriots. And number one, Andy Reid of the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, as much as I would love to say Belichick's number one, it is really, really hard to argue with that offensive juggernaut that Andy Reid and the Chiefs have built because Andy Reid has a lot of say in who's drafted on that team. Uh, yeah. Mahomes, and, and I believe he was there when Kelsey was drafted. I believe so. Uh, I mean, there's been a, there's a lot of star power around that team that Andy Reid is responsible for uh, drafting and helping to uh, move along and develop as a player. Uh, you know, uh, some good free agent pickups because people want to play for Andy Reid. Uh, not to mention, um, I mean, he wears a face shield like nobody's business. I mean, I got no problem with that. Um, And look, let's face it. Belichick's been really, really good at finding talent late in the draft. But those big money, marquee first couple round picks, especially the first round picks the last few years, haven't been great. Now, there's guys like Kyle Duggar, who we got in the second round, Mm -hmm. who I think is going to be a great player. Showed a lot of really good stuff last year. Uh, Michael Omowano, the offensive lineman. I'm saying that name wrong. I know I am. Uh, uh, Michael Awainio. Owayne- you. Owayne- 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 okay, I was close. You're close. Uh, he was what? He was what? Third, fourth, sixth, six, six? six. Oh, even later. Sixth six. round pick. And he's he looks phenomenal. From uh, Michigan. Okay, there you go. Uh, So, I mean, certainly not a knock, but yeah, he hasn't had the absolute complete success in free agency that Andy Reid has had. Uh, and this isn't throughout history, like I've said. John Harbaugh, no problem with that with Baltimore. I mean... They were smart enough to realize when they brought a guy like Lamar Jackson in, they had to revamp the entire offense around him. They didn't try to stick him into the system they had with Joe Flacco because as much of an athlete as Lamar Jackson is and as talented as he is, he would have flopped in the Flacco system. He would have done absolutely terrible. It was just a different offense. So being able to identify what your team needs to do, and and part of, like I said, part of the head coach is putting the right coordinators in place. That you know can get the job done. And that's what these guys do. Whether you like any of them or not. Um, <laughs> you know they know how to do that. Sean Payton. People want to rip him for not winning more championships. But I mean look. He's drafted well. Especially on the offensive side. You know Kamara. Michael Thomas. Um, you know he's been some good defensive players too. Team's competitive. Uh, McDermott for the Bills. I, dude, that team was night and day from twenty twenty from twenty nineteen. Yeah. Like they were okay in twenty nineteen, they were good and they were like emerging. Twenty twenty, they looked like a like a powerhouse. Yeah, I mean they, they're not on like a Kansas City level yet as of last year, but man, yeah. if they keep getting better, that that digs and Josh Allen combo, I mean, <laughs> it, it's it's gonna be a really fun. A fun ride watching watching that duo over the next couple of years, and I mean, I don't know. I, you got the, the bottom here it's like Arians is a damn fine coach, but like it was one season. Well, two. What, uh, what
1: did he What did he do without Tom?
0: That's my only thing. Is people want to punish Belichick and say, "Oh, you can't do it without Tom Brady." But then Arians gets Tom Brady, and all of a sudden he's there. If he was, like, top three, I'd have a bigger problem with it. But he's eighth. Right. So, I mean, if you're going to start a franchise and you say, okay, uh, the multitude of Shans isn't available. Pete Carroll is not there. Belichick, Harbaugh, Reed's not there. It's a pretty good, uh, I think, two of the guys I'd probably take would be Tomlin, Rivera. Yeah. Uh, or Bruce Arians. So it's a three, not two. I don't have a problem with that. Um, I said kind of a problem with the double standard a little bit, but it's, (laughs) it's been that way for a long time. So,
1: and I think, I think if if Belichick can win without Tom, I think that even hammers the point even more is that Arians couldn't do it without Tom Brady. So it's more of an Arians issue. If he can't, if Tom Brady, let's say Tom Brady moves on after next season, I know he won't, but let's just say he does. He's right back where he started before. He had Tom, um, a no quarterback or crap quarterback because if they think they just drafted their future star, I highly doubt that.
0: Um, Who's that?
1: Uh, they, I think they drafted Kyle Trask. Oh guy yeah. I, I don't like at all.
0: I was gonna say I just can't wait to see Mac Jones do his best Vince McMahon walk out to the out to the middle of the field this year and uh, just do his little his little draft strut he was doing. <laughs> Just walking like he's pissed off. He got drafted at 15.
1: I, I don't, I don't hate the list. I just, it's not really. You you put the coaches out on an Island by themselves. And if they don't have the influence that, you know, they have, it kind of just like, okay, well, they're just there because of the success of their team. Like areas is there. That makes sense because he has a lot of influence, but you know, uh, Sean McDermott, I don't I don't know what kind of influence he has on the drafting process or the free agent process. So isn't that a little bit more on the GM?
0: Well, and we that, don't know, it, though.
1: Right. That's the problem I have with it. Right. We don't, we, don't we don't know. We don't know the I mean... influence. We know Andy Reid has a lot of influence. We know Bill Belichick has a lot of influence. Sean Payton. Um, who is the third person? Um, Harbaugh. Harbaugh. Arbaugh has a lot of, Arians has, Carroll has a lot of influence. It's like, we know these guys are on the list that have the influence. Some of the guys, they just, they're just they just there. Like Tomlin should be higher because we know what kind of, kind of influence he has on the roster building. We know. He wants hardworking players. And if he finds out they're not hardworking, example, Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, he ejects him, or at least yeah. if they are a problem, he ejects him. That's why.
0: And there's a uh, longer history with his team to prove that. Yeah, I, I get that.
1: That's that's why Chase Claypool, uh, <clears throat> you're on notice, buddy. You might want to push it to the right the right direction. Um,
0: I kind I kind of thought that when I saw guys like like Arians, and that's it's not again, it's not a knock on Arians. I've always, with the exception of when he was talking a little trash last year, kind of giving the, the Patriots you know a little little back end for you know wanting to have a, a certain way to do things. Right. Uh, I've always liked Bruce Arians. I loved him when he was with the Cardinals. Um, he got he got a little cocky when they when they signed Tom Brady. Like all of a sudden, he was responsible for all his success. But you know that's that that is what it is. That that's kind of Arians. He's kind of he'll tell you what he thinks, which is you know sometimes good, sometimes bad.
1: If he didn't if he didn't have Mike Evans and if he didn't have um, Godwin and they didn't have enough um, cap space to get Antonio Brown. Rob Gronkowski, if they didn't have Cameron, like if they didn't have these weapons, would Tom Brady have gone to Tampa Bay?
0: No, and I think that that actually proved my point better than what I said, is guys like Andy Reid. Andy Reid has built this team. He's responsible for all of the big-time players they have on this team. Drafted them. Look, people were calling him stupid for taking my homes that time. Yeah. People were saying, you're ridiculous. This guy's going to be the kind of guy where one week he'll throw for for 300 yards and the next week he's going to bomb. They were saying he's no Mitchell Trubisky. Ha, ha, ha. Joke's on everyone who said that. Uh, Belichick, we know his history. Harbaugh. When's the last time the guy coached a team that wasn't competitive? I mean, he oh. builds the team. Same with Sean Payton. Look, McDermott and McVay. Uh McVeigh yeah, they've traded for some players they've drafted well with the exception of, I don't think Jared Goff panned out the way they thought he would. Um,
1: there have been some financial uh, issues, and yeah. the question mark would be, did the GM have more influence, or was it the head coach? That's the question mark. I don't know.
0: But guys like Carroll, like I said, Carroll and Tomlin, I agree 100%. They should be higher on this list than guys like McDermott and McVay um, and Arians, and it's not a knock on coaching ability or anything else. It's they've been around, and they've Built their team more. Like you said with Arians. Yeah, he went out and he won. He wasn't running, winning with Jameis Winston. I mean, you can say, oh, Andy Reid has Tyreek Hill and McCall Hardman and, and the running backs and Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. Yeah, he was there when they were drafted. Bruce Arians wasn't there when any of these guys. I mean, some of the newer ones this year, Antoine Winfield Jr. and and, and Tristan Wirfs and Okay, um, yeah, he was there to uh, draft them. Um the but receiver the, to um, Johnson, I think. Tyler Johnson. Tyler Johnson. Yeah, drafted them. And they look like they're going to be, especially guys like Winfield Jr., look like they're going to be phenomenal players. Right. Um, So it's not a knock on anybody, but he hasn't built that team up to this point. I don't think he should be in front of a guy like Tomlin. I don't think he should be only one above Pete Carroll. That's just my opinion. I think he belongs on the list, obviously. I think he's a damn fine coach. Players seem to love him. Um, but It's, you know, a guy like Matt LaFleur, who it's... Look, it's been pretty obvious in Green Bay for a long time. Aaron Rodgers calls the shots. And he's only been there two seasons. And he's not really responsible for any of the star power on that team. I don't really understand why he's above Mike Tomlin. That's just my opinion, again. So, these lists are fun. I enjoy going over them. Like I said, nothing egregious. It's not like Bruce Arians being number eight is terrible or Sean McDermott uh, being five is ridiculous. Oh. These guys are phenomenal coaches. I think McDermott is going to be in ten years. We're going to be talking about him still as a damn fine day coach. Probably still with Buffalo, honestly. Um, but they're fun to go over, and I figured it'd be some it'd be some fun content and a fun discussion and talking point. So, uh, yeah. Um, I think it's just the context. I
1: think it's just the context of of what the list is about is where i would have the most issue is if you sure. clarify if you clarify it a little bit best head coaches of the of the 2020 season best head coach of the past 4 or 5 seasons whatever context you want to put it in but as far as team building i think if you're going to put up a, a responsible list you have to factor in the gm and whether or not that head coach has the gm powers i.e. Bill Belichick, I'm pretty sure Andy Reid has a lot of power. Um, Harbaugh doesn't have quite the power because there's a GM in place. But you just need to add context because you're making it seem like, not you, but the person that wrote it makes it seem like McDermott built this on his own. Sean McVay built this on his own. Like, we know they didn't. So either, you know, pair up the combo of you know GM head coach or rephrase the the what the list is about cuz I just don't I don't get how you can get the top 10 list where it's at by adding these certain coaches in this right. position that we don't know what kind of influence they have
0: well again it's a matter of perspective too like i said that's why this is fun because you know and this is going along with your point of well, how can you say this guy's above this guy if this is the context? The way I read it was, I saw Belichick number two. I'm like, look, all time historically. I know it's what have you done for me lately, but Belichick's number one right now among active coaches historically. Oh, then is, um, it,
1: is, is it the past two seasons, Chris? Well, because if it's, no, if it's no, the no. past two
0: seasons, then wouldn't Belichick be low? Yeah, well, that's what I'm getting at. They didn't say oh, okay. that, though. That's what I'm saying if it was that. What they were saying is it, it goes along with um, track record with your current team, which is why guys like, you know, some of the newer coaches on their teams, like Ron Rivera wasn't higher, uh, the dude who went to uh, the new Phillies, uh, Phillies. <laughs> the new Eagles coach, uh, new Texans coach, like there's no way to know what those guys are going to be on those teams yet. Right. Um, so those guys weren't there, but it's what have you done with your current team, uh, how you've drafted, how you've brought players in. All-encompassing. So that's the perspective. Uh, but then we have things like I was just – my argument I was making where it's how is a guy with the history of Pete Carroll and Mike Tomlin who, yeah, they've had their, their hole-in-ones, their their first-rounders where it's like, oh, that was obvious. But then, you know, <laughs> they had their, their other one. They're their, their, their not-so-obvious picks. The diamonds in the rough they had to dig for. And then they've had playoff success. And they've, you know, they've won a lot of games consistently. They've built their team, and you guys, you have guys like, you know, Arians on the fleur who, not a knock, but they've only been with their current teams for two seasons. So how are they above somebody with an established pedigree when that's the criteria? So I knew that was going to be a point of contention, which is why I thought this list would be fun to go over because, you know, people listen to a podcast for talking points. Right. And how so, is
1: how is uh, Kevin Stefanski not on the list? If, yeah, if that's the barometer that's we live by, true. yeah. Because then, then, because he's built a pretty good team in Cleveland, and and one could think that he is the reason why that they've developed over the past couple of seasons and progressed in the direction that they want to go in. I, I it's it's just like you said the the barometer of what the 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 list is is not really. Clear, And if it is clear, it's, yeah, what they've done with that team. Well, some coaches have been with the team two years. Some, like Bill Belichick, have been with the team like 20 years. So really, how much is it? And I know we'll support the Patriots live, live or die. How is that fair to a, a head coach that's been with the team for two years? That's all they've been able to establish is a two-year history. So I think – clarifying context if i were going to do list i if i was going to do this kind of list it would either be last year's success top to bottom what did they, what did they do for me and then i would probably do a five-year run and that would be it i'm not going to do this what have you done with this team for the history you've been with the team because it, it well, varies
0: well you've been doing that for about half an hour now so true all right anything else you good i'm set. Also- all right, that's going to do it for episode 135. Thank you very much for listening. If you have any questions, comments for Ben and I, on anything you heard on this episode, past episodes, or anything sports-related in general, we'd love to hear from you. And where can they get in touch with us?
1: Well, you can hit us up on Twitter, at pod, Facebook, Ben and Chris Talk Sports, or the website, bctspod.com.
0: All right, and download's still doing very good. We greatly appreciate the support. If you feel so inclined and you have not done so yet, please go to where you download your favorite podcast, leave a rating and a review, and tell a friend or two. I didn't mean for that to rhyme, but here we are. For Ben, I am Chris. Please stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you right back here next Wednesday.
1: Thank you.